this is Kathy Griffin. You're listening to PF Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm PF. This is my tape recorder. Coming up, it's our old friend Bent Washburn. Our brains, they find patterns. They seek it out. They're, they're constantly looking for explanations. That's what our brains do, so... They build really convincing ones. <laughs> but then sometimes they build them that they're just insane. They're so... You know, the explanations you'll read or hear, like, how could anybody believe that? Ben, as you know, spent a lot of time in Europe while his wife was stationed there in the Air Force, I believe it was, but they've since moved back to the U.S. Actually, it's been a few years, and he's been able to tour more around the United States and Canada. He's also uh, performing on the boats, as they say, so we talk about that. Always a good chat with Bent. By the time you hear this, Fangirl will be 21 years old, and as such, we are headed to New Orleans, to uh, or Narlins, as they say down there, uh, to celebrate her birthday. And uh, so towards that end, you're going to get, uh, for the dumb bit, you're going to get a couple of classic dumb bits that I, I know you all enjoy. And then on the other side of that, uh, interview with Bent Washburn, and then a song of the week from Peach Pit. How many times has this happened to you? I'll be back in a minute. I'm going to the restroom. Hmm. Flounders or snappers? Ooh, let's try snappers. Ooh, sorry, wrong door. If you're a guy or girl on the go, then you know theme restaurant bathroom designations can be misleading. But now you don't ever have to be confused again because you've got the Restroom Thesaurus. The Restroom Thesaurus lists every possible combination of male-female euphemism. Blokes and birds, bantams and hands, shoots and ladders, bobsleds and moguls, endomorphs and gynecomorphs. Yes, the Restroom Thesaurus is your one-stop source for avoiding embarrassing entrances into the wrong bathroom. Seafood restaurants. Oh, let's see. Buoys and gulls, bulkheads and portholes, hornpipes and shanties. Oh, here we go. Flounders are men. All right. Never walk into the wrong restroom again with the Restroom Thesaurus because you don't want to take a shot in the dark. First, there was Vanilla Coke. Then, Pepsi jumped on the bandwagon with Pepsi Vanilla. And now, Pepsi is trying to rip off Coke in an even bigger way. Introducing Pepsi Coke. It's Pepsi with the flavor of Coke. Mmm, I haven't had Pepsi this good since the last time I had a Coke. That's because the can says Pepsi, but the taste says Coke. Wow, Pepsi Coke is awesome. See, some 20-something gulped it down and said it was awesome, so it's gotta be good. And it comes in every possible variety. There's Diet Pepsi Coke 1, Caffeine-Free Pepsi Coke, Caffeine-Free Diet Pepsi Coke, Cherry Pepsi Coke, Lemon Cherry Diet Pepsi Coke Blue, and Caffeine-Free Lemon Cherry Diet Pepsi Coke Blue with Caffeine. Wow, I had no idea the taste of all my favorite Pepsi flavors would taste better with a taste of Coke. Take the Pepsi Coke taste test today and see if you can tell if you're tasting Pepsi or Coke or both. Pepsi Coke. It's the Pepsi name you know with the taste of Coke you love. Ben Washburn is a stand-up comedian originally from Washington, D.C., and he has toured all over the world, all over the U.S., is now performing on cruise ships, headlining clubs still across the United States. And here now is our interview with Ben Washburn. Hello. Hey, Ben, it's P.F. Hi, how are you? How you doing, man? Good to talk to you again. Yeah, good talking to you again. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I'd like to use the audio for this on my podcast, as usual, if that's okay with you. 
Okay, sure. Cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And uh, so uh, yeah. it seems like you've been out and about a lot more these days. Is uh, is that the case, or I'm just seeing you pop up because of social media algorithms and whatnot? Oh, I don't know. I've been out and about, you mean like on the road? Or? Yeah, yeah. It seems you've been touring uh, more these days. Yeah, I've been touring quite a bit more. I did. And then I, I started doing cruise ships. Okay. So I do clubs and cruise ships now. All right. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's bad or good. It pays well. Yeah, that's what the... the cruise ships pay well. That's what they yeah. say. A lot of guys doing that... Uh, uh, a guy I know does a podcast, uh, one of his rotating co-hosts, Mike Siegel, is uh, doing the boats, as they say, and he seems to enjoy it. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. It's, I prefer clubs, of course. Yeah. You, there's, you can say anything. Uh, almost. That's not true. You can't say anything. That's, <laughs> that's not. <laughs> but it feels that way after a ship. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, is that the case, or is it true that our comedy club audience is getting a little more? Cause I hear these horror stories that you know people will stand up and yell stuff now, and where they wouldn't do that years ago. You know, they behave themselves. Uh, yeah, uh, with political material, that's true. Um, I've had, uh, I've only had it happen once on a cruise ship. I did uh, a little joke about it was during the uh, North Korea stuff. And we just ramped up the trade war with China. And so the gist of the joke was, well, it's okay, we'll be trading partners with North Korea. But as soon as I said the word uh, trade wars, a woman in the audience, don't go there. It's an oh, older geez. lady. Don't you go there. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> huh. Yeah. And uh, so uh, they're, they're pretty touchy. They're really touchy about any kind of political jokes. I don't do them on a ship anyway. I just do it at, I don't do that many at clubs either. Yeah, yeah. Um, but given, you know, what's going on, I know you, you lived in Germany for a while while your wife was stationary. Do you ever have yeah. a notion of, gee, I'd kind of like to move back? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it would be nice. Uh, it would be nice to be in a, a country that knows what it is politically instead of one that's fighting about it constantly. It's just, we're so... Uh, in that way, we're not settled at all right now. So nasty and angry. Yeah, it's stupid. That's yeah. what bothers me the most is just the stupidity of it. it uh, that w when both sides get spinning away, they just get so dumb at their extremes. Oh yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's well, and and people don't really bother to inform themselves uh, either. Is the thing no. that, that shocks me, and they rely on. You know, things like Facebook and, you know, I mean, Facebook is fine for what it is, but it's not, yeah. you know, we do a thing on the podcast called it's Facebook, not Factbook. And uh, yeah. I'll, I'll find something on Facebook and uh, and then I'll, you know, find out what's really going on. And now, not to be that guy, I hate false equivalencies, so I'm not, oh, both sides do it, because one side has a much better batting average than the other. But that being said, you know... The yeah the the side that's right more often than not actually isn't always right, and it's shocking to me because I've said this before, especially with Trump. People post these things about Trump, and it's like, why would you make something up when there's so much real stuff he says that's outrageous? There's no need yeah, to make anything. Yeah, you don't. Up. Yeah. Um, True. That's what uh, my wife says that all the time. <laughs> but then sometimes he'll do something. I'll say he did this, and she'll say, "Oh, that's not true." And I'll say, it is. Oh, it's not. And she'll check. I'm like, oh, it is. Yeah, I know. He, he it's, just put his 
stuff on sale for Memorial Day. Like, why, why, why would he put his campaign stuff for Memorial Day sale? How does he not understand that it's not cool? Oh, yeah, I'll do that, too. If, if uh, like, one of my cousins, one of my distant cousins always posts stuff, and it'll, my BS meter will go off, and I'll look it up, and I'll be like, oh, that is real. Yeah. <laughs> not just him, but it means, hard, you know. It's, it's hard to tell. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really, that's some of the material I've been working on lately when I'm not on a ship. It's not about politics as much as about the human ability to uh, just kid itself the way we can self-deceive and how it works well with confirmation bias and just how how easy it is to fill yourself full of crap. Oh, yeah. So it's such an easy thing to do. It's hard not to, because a lot of times it's uncomfortable. Well, and I even but, think that extends to, like, things beyond politics. It's just, you know, uh, you know I'm, I'm a big believer in the randomness of the universe. And then something yeah. will happen in life, and you'll think like, "Wow, that's really strange. That can't possibly be random." Then I'm like violating my own principles by thinking, you know, it's just strange. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, our, our brains—they find patterns. They seek it out. They're, they're constantly looking for explanations. That's what our brains do. So they build really convincing ones. But then sometimes they build them that they're just insane. They're so, you know, the explanations you'll read or hear, you're like, how could anybody believe that? <laughs> yeah. And I think usually the answer is, oh, because it matches something else they already believe. That's what I find. That if you already have a team of stupid ideas in your head, uh, they're always looking for good teammates. It's, and so pretty soon people just have these heads full of just dumb things lined up, backing each other up. And they'll just naturally connect back together. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. what other kind of stuff are you talking about on stage these days, club-wise? Um, I just uh, it's it's still autobiographical show that I do. It's been morphing. I'd wanted to record a CD this this time through Acme, but the material isn't quite done. But it'll be a bunch of new material. That's um. And it is about uh, my own mind. And I kind of, I think people can tell it's in response to our times. You know, like uh, one of the bits I call, uh, if you hear, we believe stuff we hear three times. Yes. I talk about that idea. And I've been working on that one for a couple of years, but now it's finished. And, and then just getting older. I'm talking about that. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't do directly political stuff, though. Yeah. I, I don't like it. Well, and there's a lot of that out there, you know. For, yeah. For, for people that, that need that. Although, in a way, there's, there's a lot of that out there. Anyway. Yeah. And even people that haven't been doing it still feel the need they need to comment on it, you know, a little bit because yeah, otherwise it looks like, you know, they're not informed. Yeah. Yeah, and it, 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 I can't just bury my head completely in the sand, but but like a, a jokes on Kavanaugh, I'm not going to really. <laughs> yeah, and the thing is, it moves so quickly now. There's going to be something outrageous in the next week. Oh, in the next five that replaces minutes. That. <laughs> I think by the end of this interview, <laughs> there'll be something outrageous. <laughs> um, it's just yes. 
I was just going to say that you know, it, uh, when you were talking about you know your act being about your life, is that you know the nice thing is, of course, you have all this life experience behind you now, and this kind of sort of variety of of life, and that you're not only a parent but a grandparent, and you know, and, uh, wife in the military, and you've been traveling, yeah, you know, one around. So you you have quite a uh, a bit of stuff. To, to draw from is it is it easier to write now than it was back when you were in your twenties and just you know like most dudes were just you know, partying and drinking woo. You know what it's it's I wish I still had the cognitive speed that I had when I was young. I've noticed my brain's not as fast. There's just no way. I think as you get older, you do have more experience and more ideas. But two things: your brain isn't as quick. Uh, working on those ideas. And also, it's really hard to make yourself care (laughs) (laughs) enough to like, "Uh, I'm not going to talk to you. Why bother? (laughs) There's part of that that you have to fight. I have to, it's like a fight every day. Like, no, you do care. No, come on. That's the old, you know. like, like the old Steve Martin bit. He used to say, um, it was one of his early albums. He said, uh, "You get prejudiced as you get older." And it was not against people or races or anything, like that, but just against things. And let's go try this new thing. <laughs> Sorry, we're closed. <laughs> it's one of my favorite bits, <laughs> and it makes a lot more let's sense now. Yeah, yeah. Let's go try this new thing. Yeah, yeah. that's just something I've been working on. That because people will say, "Hey, you know," the people always say, "I like to think outside the box." Oh God. And, and, you know, that's become a thing to say and do now. Oh, yeah, for years. But as you get older, you're like, you know what? I'm going to stick with these things I got in my box now. <laughs> it, I'm just going to, I'm going to write it out with with what I have here. So I, I do, yeah, I talk about, I actually talk about that, I guess, in a way. Yeah, I am. Um... I, hadn't, I hadn't thought of it in that frame, though. I used to, I used, you know, having worked in you know businesses and in, in, in retail and things like that, you know, the, the thinking outside the box thing has been a thing for you know a long time now. And I used to find yeah. that they would want you to think outside the box, and then they when when you did, they would immediately come to you and say, "We have this box here for a reason, Mister. Now you get back in there and think yeah. about that." <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> My thing is, I just I think you should just think. But usually, when yes. the people I know that say that, it's because they're dumb. You know, most ideas that are in the box are good ideas. That's why they're there. Most of them. Not all of them. Yeah. But most of them. Yeah. Yeah. And most ideas outside the box are bad ideas. That's that's really how it works. It is, yeah. And again, it's okay. Nothing wrong with looking outside the box. If you if you if you you know, if the if the ideas in the box have run their course or they don't apply, certainly look outside the box. But yeah, I mean, and yeah. I'm not the sharpest knife either. So, like you're saying, yeah. as you get older, you just don't don't think as as quickly anymore. Anymore. But then again, I mean, I think that I think that's maybe that's done on purpose, or your your brain slows down so we we do think more and we can say, hey. Maybe the box idea is good. Maybe you know, we have that temperament to you know decide whether, whether the box is good or bad. Oh yeah, it's gotten us quite a ways. Maybe it's gotten us <laughs> in trouble. I don't know. That <laughs> hmm. I think. I, yeah, I talk, that's a an idea I tumble around in the show. You know. I think we're onto something with this box. Sounds like it could be next. Uh, who's the the bloke that writes all the books um, about? Uh, Things um, with the crazy hair, and he's half Jamaican, and uh, uh, Gladwell, Malcolm Gladwell, that could be his next oh, book. Yeah, Malcolm Gladwell book, The Box. <laughs> are you in or are you out? Yeah, that does sound like a a book he could write. I couldn't. <laughs> I don't know. 
people have said that you could write a book. The people who say that have never written a book, though. Oh my God, I That's know. That's what I find. You should write a book. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but, you know, it's hard <laughs> to write a good one. Oh, yeah. I think you can write a bad one. You can ghostwrite one. You can get a ghostwriter, I guess. Yeah, well, I've written so much over the years, I've probably written enough to fill a bunch of books, but to like sit, make it one chunk, you know, I, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I've thought of like gathering these interviews together and, you know, making a book that way, because then part of the work's already done, but I don't know. I just, I can't get my head around the egg. I have a list on my computer in Google Docs of possible book ideas, uh, you know, but I'll never get, I'll never get to writing it. And you're a writer. That's exactly. The thing. I'm not. A, I'm not a writer. I'm not a page writer for the page writer. Yeah. When someone says that to me, like you don't, you don't have a clue. What you're... <laughs> no, no. Some comics really can write for the page well and efficiently. They're pretty brilliant that way. Yeah, and some start out that way. You know, they, I've talked to a couple of guys and gals that uh, were journalism majors or writing majors of some kind of school, and it said it really, and, and maybe, and like um, Jim Gaffigan was in advertising, and he said, you know, it really, really teaches yeah. you to be succinct and, you know, get to the, yeah. you know, have a short setup and everything. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess it, that it has that, that function. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, certainly, but, yeah, writing a book. Yeah, the box, uh, inside the box idea. That's one I'll be working on here at uh, coming up in Minneapolis. All right, cool. Cool. And d- just in general, as you're touring the country, again, we're around the same age, I reckon. Um, have, how have you seen, like, America changing kind of over the years? Because they always say that it's becoming more homogenized. But in and, and a way, I still think areas of the country are still, there are still things you can find that are unique about each place, even though it's, harder and harder than maybe it was maybe in the 60s or 70s or even the 80s. Yeah, I think uh, this, I think it's not homogenized. I think it's really divided. Having lived in Germany where that was homogenized, this is not, America is not homogenized. It's like 10, 11 different cultures. You know, just because you have a McDonald's and a Starbucks everywhere doesn't mean you're all the same. Yeah, exactly. I think maybe we overestimated the power of those things to turn everybody, you know, into the same culture, person. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think we're homogenous at all. Yes. And, and I think the thing that's supposed to hold us together is that constitution. It's supposed to be a paper, you know? Yes. It's not supposed to be tribal, but we've become more tribal. And our understanding of the paper is actually kind of slipped away a bit, I think. Or maybe we're fighting over the interpretation of that paper with our tribal. I don't know. It doesn't feel homogenous to me, man. Yeah, now that you mention it, it really in, doesn't. In the ways we look at the, you know, we think it, especially in different parts of the country where they have different, I guess, concerns. You know, be it the environment, be it immigration, be it the economy. You yeah. Know, is what all that that stuff yeah. means? So yeah. Okay. I guess you're right, and it, it kind of seems there. Yeah, like you're saying, with getting more. It seems there's kind of a, 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 a subtle. I don't know. Not not resistance. That's not a good word. But you know, um, a, a move to to be less homogenized and be more tribal. But I don't know if that's a good or a bad. Yeah. Thing. <laughs> you know. I think that is exactly what's happening. I think in it. Lately, you know, I've always come from a somewhat conservative place when it came to the government and stuff, but. Of late, I've started to feel that because of some of the overriding challenges we face, we're, it's going to require some cooperation. 
when you have 8 billion people on Earth, they've got to start cooperating on certain things. I was just down in St. Pete Beach, and they had these historically massive red tides that killed all the fish. Yeah, I've seen those. Just nasty. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they've had these massive dead zones down in the Gulf now, too, and it's because it's because we're dumping lots of uh, fertilizer onto the middle of our country, and it finds its way into the rivers. And, of course, people build by the rivers, too, and they put up levees, so we don't have these, uh, what is that? I think it's called the riparian zone. It's the areas around the rivers that are supposed to, marshes and stuff that are supposed to clean that stuff. Okay. You know what I mean? We're sending fertilized water into that ocean. Now, this is going to require require a cooperative effort where all of us tell certain people, no, you can't, you don't get to put this much fertilizer on your lawns anymore. You don't get to do this with crops. Because if we don't do that, see what I mean? Yeah. There's a huge cost. Okay. I just I just think we're going towards, we're going to have to have actually uh, a little bit more government in those respects. Yeah, that, I don't that, see how else. That may be where the the one thing where, the, where the, at least the first area where we can come to some agreement on, because even though I know people... And I try to say global warming isn't real and all that ever. But even back in that, I take like my favorite group, the Beach Boys, are were traditionally huge supporters of the Republican Party in California and friends of the Reagans. But they also give millions and millions of dollars to environmental groups. So yeah, and you know, there's I've heard other conservatives say, hey, I like you know, and hunters are another group that they're like, you know, yeah, well, I am conservative economically, but I like to go out and and walk through unspoiled land and not have to walk through a bunch of garbage. You know, so I, I think we can kind of agree yeah. that, like you're saying, you, you, it's and it's so obvious when it's washing up on the beach that there might be a problem we need to address here. Yeah, I think it's getting to that place. I don't know. I just, uh, I don't know. I used to think the answer was less government, but now I think it's better. We need to have better. Exactly. You know, better government. And I don't know how to make it better. Sometimes it does need to be smaller. <laughs> yeah. True. But, uh, yeah. Well, I'm, my, my, you know, and I've told your friend Tim Slagle this all the time. I'm I'm suspicious of any large system, and yes, the government is the largest yeah. system that we know of. But still, yeah. it, it doesn't mean I'm completely yeah. against it. Uh, certainly, but yeah, yeah, just you know, just be wary because yeah. I don't think a big corporation necessarily is the answer either. You know. Yeah. Oh, I don't either. Absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely not. They're blind. They they will externalize costs left and right. Sure. They will. They'll chuck anything in the ocean to meet a bottom line. They really will. Yeah. And I know there's people in the rank and file and maybe even in like, you know, what I would say, would say closer to the ground in companies that really believe that, oh, no, our company really cares and is, is and they may feel that way. But I just sense, yeah. and I may be wrong, but the sense that the higher up you go in the hierarchy, like you're saying, you know, as they care more and more about the bottom line, if you go closer to the top, it's like, yeah, no, we don't care about that at all. Yeah, really? <laughs> yeah. And they, they, they don't mean to. They just... You know, it's a, it's a moral hazard that these things have, they have a built-in moral hazard. There's these costs that you can push off to other people and, yeah. Yeah, crazy. So, I won't, I won't talk about that in my show. <laughs> Maybe I will. I don't know. I, I'm well, going to be doing a little riffing this coming up in Minneapolis, so. Yeah, yeah, I guess the, the lighter stuff. Save this kind of stuff for when you're talking to Timmy. Um, well, cool, man. Uh and oh, we should need to direct people to that. The, the name of your podcast with Tim is the, the Rule of Three. Uh, rule of 
three with Tim, go. yeah. All right, mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, well, uh, Tim, friend of the show as well. So, yeah, we'll point people uh, towards that. And uh, it's a, a great concept. You guys talk about, what, three issues for 10 minutes, and then there's a, there's a time limit on it. Yeah, and we, we try to keep it uh, friendly, even if we disagree on something. Right. We're respectable. Respectful. Yes. I guess. <laughs> Maybe that's why no one listens. Come on. It's <laughs> no, nasty nowadays. We'll, we'll, but exactly. we are. We'll, we'll, we'll get people up under that. Well, good luck up in, in Minneapolis, as always. Hope. Oh, you've been down in Cincinnati, and, and I probably recycled a previous City Pages um, interview for that. Oh, yeah. yeah. You, you were at Bananas for a while. Yeah, go Bananas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Great, man. Well, I hope we'll see you again down here soon then, and uh, and good luck traveling. I hope so. All right. Thanks, Tom. All right. Thanks, Jeff. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks again to Bent Washburn for being on the show. You can catch Bent October 23rd through the 27th at the Acme Comedy Company in Minneapolis. And then November 11th through the 18th, his website says he's on a ship in the Caribbean on the Holland America line. So if you're on the Holland America line in the Caribbean, you may see Bent. Uh, you may even see friend friend of the show, Mike Siegel. He also performs on the boats nowadays. A lot of um, big names now starting to do that. They're starting to really to get some you know actual real comedians that also you know play clubs. So that's kind of cool. Uh, a big improvement there, I reckon. So uh, the plugs, of course, uh, check, check, hey, check out her blog. Uh, that's Fangirl's blog there. Do check that out. Um, let me see. Oh, and Nearly Liza's YouTube channel as well. And uh, finally, we come up to the song of the week. We're going to kind of get out here kind of early if we can because we got to hit the road. Uh, song of the week is from a group called Peach Pit. I don't know much about Peach Pit except for the fact they are a trio from Vancouver, Canada. And this is a really good tune. It's called 17. And a uh, funny thing is uh, uh, Nearly Liza... Uh, who is 14, uh, when she turns 17, she said she's going to have a, at her party, she's going to play all the 17 songs that there are, including uh, I, I Saw Her Standing There by the Beatles, uh, Stray Cats, Sexy and 17, uh, there's, a, let me see this, who else has a song called 7, no, uh, um, Pale Waves is 18, that's their song, so they, they, don't, they don't count, but there's 17 by Lady Trump, we came up with a ton of them, she's going to play them all, and I reckon this will be on the playlist too, a nice alternative rocker, uh, I'm surprised these guys are going to get a little more play, they should be, this is Peach Pit. 17 is the song. It's our song of the week on PF State Recorder. So long and thanks for listening. I'm-